As always, we are recording live and Ashley will be calling in any moment. Today we will be rating and discussing Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth. Um, this is a adult fiction. I thought it was science fiction, but apparently it's urban fan or fantasy. I don't know. It's to me, it's science fiction. So we're going to go with science fiction. If you have read this, I'm glad that you are here. I'm just like talking until Ashley gets here. This is sorry for the rambling, but <laughs> um, she'll be on any second. So how's everybody's quarantine? Oh, here she is. Okay. Um, all right, here she is. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? You know, I'm here. We're still where we were last week. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Not much has changed. No, nothing much to report on. <laughs> yeah. Um, same here. Um, how's your reading going? You know, this week has been a rough week. I think it's just a matter of circumstance and everyone has all these things happening and it's just like, okay, you know what? <laughs> I'm not, so I actually this week didn't read anything, um, that was relatively new. I have been reading the Star Touched Queen. Um, and so far, so good. This you were reading nice. what? The Star Touched Queen. Okay. So that's something that's just been on my, like, to-read list, and I haven't had time to. And I'm like, well, why not pull one of those guys from their um, little arsenal over here? So. Okay. Yeah, but I'm excited to talk about this one, though, because Miss Roth is a very interesting author, in my opinion. <laughs> Alrighty then. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I haven't been. It's like the eighth of May, and I should be through about three books, but I have only finished one. So uh -huh. that's unusual. I just finished Clap When You Land, which is in verse. It's by Elizabeth Acevedo, who wrote Poetics, mm -hmm. and it took me like four days to get to that book, and it really shouldn't have taken me that long. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of I'm not in a slump. I have several books that I'm actually excited to read. Like mm -hmm. four or three, actually, but I don't know. I'm just like, eh. So I think it's because we yeah. we plowed through so many in April that I feel like, you know, like there. I go through stages where I'm just like, I'm okay not reading for just a little bit because I was like eating up all of these books so quickly, like you know, relatively quicker than usual. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's okay. That's fine. The next ones we're going to talk about. So, yeah, it's going to be good. This one or this one or next week? You know, all of them, because <laughs> I feel like it is going to be interesting, just on whether we agree on our points of views or if we're going to be on the same page. All right, sounds like we're okay. going to have differences on this one. Okay. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So as always, we will start with our spoiler free edition. We will go through what we dislike and then we'll try to end on a positive note of what we liked. And then we will go into the spoiler edition and I will like count it down. And I'll also put in the show notes, the timestamp of the spoiler edition so that, you know, um, but let's get into chosen ones by Veronica Roth, which was pudge published in March, April. I don't know. April, I think. Yeah. yeah it's been a while since I read it. So. All right, April so 7th. why don't we, okay, so why don't we start with the book plot? Mm-hmm. Who wants to read that? You want to read it or you want yeah. me to read it? Um, I can read it. That's fine. Okay. okay so okay. we have a decade ago near Chicago, five teenagers defeated the otherworldly enemy known as the Dark One, whose reign of terror brought widespread destruction and death. The seemingly unextraordinary teen Sloan, Matt, um, Inez, Albie and Esther have been brought together by a clandestine, oh my gosh, (laughs) government agency because one of them was fated to be the chosen one prophesied to save the world. With the goal achieved, humankind celebrated the victors and began to mourn their lost loved ones. Ten years later, though the champions remain celebrities, the world has moved forward and a whole younger generation doesn't seem to recall the days of the endless fear, but Sloane remembers. It's impossible for her to forget when the paparazzi haunt her every step just as the dark one still haunts her dreams. Unlike everyone else, she hasn't moved on. She's adrift, no direction, no goals, no purpose. And on the eve of the 10th year of celebration of peace, a new trauma hits the chosen the death of one of their own. And when they gather for the funeral at the enshrined site of their triumphant um, victory, they discover to their horror that the dark one's reign never really ended. Good Lord. All right. That was a long one. It is. (laughs) Oh man. So I want to rate it, right? What did you rate it? I gave it a three. Okay, I did as What'd well. Give it? Mine, mine was okay. a reluct a reluctant three, and I think okay. be, you know things that I'll probably get into more in the spoiler edition. But um, yeah, I would definitely say still the three. I don't think I would move anywhere up or down. Yeah, no, yeah, it's so. it's a it's a three. It, it's, there's yeah. it's not it's not going up. I don't no. think it's going down. All right, let's get into our dislikes. Who goes first? Okay, well, I can go first. I think my first, um, my first dislike was the pacing. It was super duper slow. And there were especially moments in the beginning and through like the middle of the book, I had no idea where the book was going. So I kind of like just felt like, like, it's, it's not a quick read at all. At least for me, it wasn't. It was kind of like one of those books that you read, like, 30 pages, and you put it down, and you go get something to drink, and then you forget about it for a couple hours. And then you come back, and you're like, oh, we're still in this area? Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to come back to it. Like, that's just... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> very slow for me. Um, so, yeah. I didn't like it that, that part. Um, I agree. It was, it, okay, so what I noted as I was reading is that this book seemed to not have a plot. 
until mm-hmm. chapter 16 like the so it makes when your story doesn't have a when a story doesn't have a plot it moves pretty slow because it's just a lot of like characters that i probably don't really care much about and you're developing the world okay and so then after around chapter 16 then we got a plot only for the plot to change again another 16 chapters in so then we're mm-hmm. then we've shifted which is fine you know books can shift sometimes problems get solved and then there's a new problem but I don't feel like that was in this book's case. I feel like there was just not a real solid plot. So it made the pacing, the first like 90% of the book was kind of slow. And then the last 10% was like crazy fast, way too fast, if you ask me. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's my turn. It's your turn. What's one of your not likes? (laughs) <laughs> All right. So I have lots to say about this book. Um, and my biggest, 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 I had a lot of like nitpicks, but my biggest issue with this book is the writing style. And mm. this is the perfect example of the style of writing that I do not like. I do not like um, Veronica Ross writing style. She writes, in my opinion, what I call on the nose writing. And so for some people, that's okay. They like that. That's fine. I personally don't prefer that. And by on the nose, I mean, um, well, on the nose is described as unimaginative, not a lot of nuance. Mm -hmm. To me, it means um, everything is written on the page for you. It's like a piece of pizza. Every, all the toppings are on the pizza. You can see all the toppings. There's nothing hiding under the cheese. There's nothing, yeah. nothing like really cool or interesting mm-hmm. or, you know, there's nothing interesting under the cheese. It's just all written out for you, perfectly written out for you. And like, for example, Sloane, our main character, she is having issues with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is the chosen one of the chosen ones. And he is very charming. He's engaging. People like him. He likes to take pictures with them. And she's the exact opposite. So when she like sees him across the room engaging, she's telling you everything she's thinking, everything Mm -hmm. she's feeling. It's all on her face. There's no, there's nothing for the reader to like, like try to interpret in her body language or I'm not getting anything interesting going on in her mind. It's just all there for you. I don't like Mm -hmm. that style of writing and I'm automatically going to drop it several stars if that is the type of writer you are as an author. Now that's Mm -hmm. my problem. It's not the book's problem. Some people like that. I personally do not. No, and it makes so. it just, it, it makes it hard to read. Like, that's, it's like, okay, there's nothing exciting. Like, it's just kind of blah. Like, it's, 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 I, I guess it's just, that's just how she writes books. And I'm coming to learn that because mm-hmm. of like that same thing happened with Carve the Mark. Like, I had like the same feeling. Like, okay, there's nothing exciting that's exactly. being withheld from me. You know, I can see everything that's there. And like I called things out a lot earlier on and I don't usually do that because I just let myself want to be excited with things that are going to pop up. And like, she just doesn't allow you to do that in this book. No, no. And she, that, and, and you're right. I read sad. <laughs> but you know what? That's, that's her writing style. And I agree. I read carve the mark. I read carve the mm-hmm. mark too. And I had the exact mm-hmm. same issue. Um, yeah. Divergent, I think was an anomaly just because she, it was, 
it was Hunger Games light. It was, Mm -hmm. she based it off, you know, it was a Hunger Games knockoff. I mean, come on. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she just got lucky. Also, this is adult and you expect an adult fiction book to be elevated. I can understand a YA book being on the nose. I still don't like it. But, you know, but this is adult. Like, come on. We got to give the reader something. Well, and I think that that's that's the issue. I mean, you're calling into, like, the fact that, like, a lot of these YA authors, you know, like Jay Kristoff, Moss, Bardugo, and now Roth, they're all trying to jump out of uh, their normal genres that they write in and, like, the audiences that they write for. And it's just clearly evident that not all of them are able to fluently do so. Like she's she's still writing the same way that she would a YA novel, in my opinion. Even just it, how the book's told from it's told from these, uh, you know, new age adults. Like they're they're in their twenties and thirties, but they still have the minds of the teenagers that they were. Yeah. So I agree. You know, it's not. It's unfortunately, it's not done well. It's not done well. It's, it's and, well. and I think it, I think it all comes down to that. This is the type of writer she is. I felt like a lot of it was forced. Um, mm-hmm. I could see her trying to be a better writer. Like there were several instances of, and I, I took note of it and on my good reads, I'll give you an example, but mm-hmm. she tried to do these metaphors, which a lot of, you know, that's part of the creative writing process is metaphors. It's, what you do mm-hmm. but her metaphors were really unimaginative and it just forced it just didn't it it's like she's not that type of a writer and she's trying to be a better writer but she doesn't know how so she writes these metaphors and I'm going to give an example that I took note so I actually read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue immediately and this is by V.E. Schwab who also mm-hmm. writes YA and adult who I read immediately after this book, which was to the detriment of Veronica Roth because V. Schwab is a fantastic writer. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm going to give you an example of a metaphor where this is like the yin and the yang of which is like a good writer versus a great writer. Or I wouldn't even consider Veronica Roth a good writer. I would say an okay writer. So this is a metaphor from Chosen Ones. His jaw shifted like he was chewing a piece of tough meat. Okay. Like, I don't, you know, okay. That's a metaphor. Fine. This is V.E. Schwab's. (laughs) Henry loves his sister. He does. But Muriel's always been like strong perfume, better in small doses and at a distance. Like when I read that, I immediately know who Muriel is because I know people like her. I could give two shits about a piece of tough meat. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) The V.E. Schwab metaphor elicits an e- immediate reaction from me. I'm like, oh, my God, I know exactly who Muriel is. She's barely on the page because she's not a main character. However, mm-hmm. I know exactly. Uh, Muriel is developed better than Albie is in The Chosen Ones. And Muriel oh is on the page, yeah. maybe a paragraph. That is mm-hmm. unacceptable. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just, and that's a big difference between writing style like I prefer V. Schwab's writing style because it's just more visual and just rich and Veronica's writing style mm-hmm. is just very everything's on the platter for you it's not very mm-hmm. challenging and once again that's okay some people like that mm-hmm. that's okay and that, well and it, here's the reality like if I didn't have to read this book for us to 
critique it. Like I would have stopped because I was like, this is just not, no, no, I don't, I don't like what's happening. Like, (laughs) I I could tell because that to books, you know, because it's like, you know me, I don't want to do enough of a book, but man, if I did not have like a push to do so, I would have. And it's like, yeah. And I mean, we will get into how everything ended and stuff like that, but I just, I was disappointed because I really did enjoy um, Ross Divergent series, mind you, the first book and the second book was okay. And then by the third book, it was like, uh, no. And then her next book, no. And now this one, it's like, okay, like I've kind of lost a little bit of hope in like reading her books. Like, I don't know if I want to pick another one up again. Oh, I'm definitely not picking up another one. Yeah. It's like, I no, I, I, yeah. No. I was was having a hard time. Um, There was another thing that I, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I have more than like, um, so I had an issue with like the way that the world was set up. It was just set up weird. And that's all I'm going to say because I can't really get into more of it without spoiling it. Um, but the world itself was just, yeah, it was set up weird, which also alluded to the fact that like of the way that the pacing was done and a way that she chose to add in like these um these excerpts like that made it super confusing for me because the way that her so she has like a chapter and then there's like an excerpt which is like from a newspaper article or from some sort of uh interview or a word um or like a teaching seminar or whatever and the way that Roth had chose to set up the way that her book was written these excerpts to me just did not flow appropriately and even towards the end I was like I don't know what's happening like I did (laughs) um I don't know if you felt that way as well but yeah um the excerpts were they were super confusing um I a lot of people because I've like tried to find other people's okay so I listened to this book on audible and I returned the book so I couldn't reference it again when I needed to take my notes for this and I read it about a month ago and I was going I was watching other people's like um booktubes and goodreads to kind of like try to find spoilers for the end because I couldn't quite remember and when I was mm-hmm. kidding from these people is that they actually liked the excerpts because they thought it was an interesting way of developing her world whereas there have been other authors who have done it better. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't agree with that. I also thought that a lot of it was unnecessary information. It was it was her trying not to info dump. And I appreciate her trying to find another way to explain her very new world. Well, not very new, kind of new world without info dumping. But it was still a lot of information to take in at once. Mm-hmm. And that's so I agree with I you. Felt. I didn't. Yeah, I did. it was it was confusing. Because you're, like, trying to take in all this information. It's not making sense. And it doesn't make sense for quite a long time until, like, you get further in the book. So, to me, it was like, okay, I probably missed things because when I was reading them, they just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I definitely missed some stuff because I – and I was paying attention. I was really – like, I – for this book, I actually, like – 
just sat and listened and I wasn't like multitasking. I wasn't doing work and listening. I was like laying in my bed and listening and that's all I was doing. And I was still like, what is this needle thing in her arm? And what is this egg thing? Uh-huh. And what, like I was really, I was still confused. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> what was another um, just like you had? I, so kind of going back to her, her writing style, um, and we were saying that, you know, this is adult, but I didn't feel like it needed to be adult. Um, so when I read an adult fiction book, I, once again, I expect the writing to be not only the writing, but I expect the dialogue and the relationships to be elevated. I expect these characters who are in their mid to late 20s to have adult relationships and adult conversations about their serious relationships. And I felt like Sloan and Matt were just giving me teen drama-rama. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, I understand she was going through PTSD and I understand that he was coping it with it differently than her, but I felt like they were having the same fight over and over. It wasn't an adult conversation. I don't, I don't, it just didn't need to be adult fiction. It, it, it could have been YA. I don't understand why she wanted to write. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Um, I also felt like the, um, the climax of the story itself was done so quickly and the buildup to it was so slow. Like, if that makes any sense, like we're, we're building up to this thing and it's, this is not a plot driven story, but like it does, it's not like, it's so, so slow. And when you finally get to the end of, of it, it's like, that's it. That's all. Like, I just, I feel like we were kind of cheated at the end because it's like the last 50 pages, it's boom, 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 boom. And the whole entire time of the book, it's so slow the pacing is so slow and like so the climax it just wasn't as climactic as I wanted it to be um so and I think it's because of the way that she wrote the story because the story is told in like reverse because lots of YA novels you know they're they're fighting towards this big angle you know it's the the death of, of the dark one and all this other stuff. Right. And, but the way that she jumps into the story is like how it is after the dark ones defeated and how they're coping with their lives now. So I think that that ha- that definitely adds to the fact as to why it's so slow. And I don't know if I like it. <laughs> I actually know that I don't like it, but that's part of the, like, <laughs> what I didn't like about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I think that, that's actually a like and a dislike. Um, and I'll get thing. into that like, it's a, like part. It's on mine too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because we're dealing with 10 years later I've, and, and this is adult, I feel like the main, not the main focus, but a large focus should have been on the PTSD and how these characters are dealing with it. Yeah. And she kind of does it, but she doesn't quite commit And so then you have these incredibly pointless, underdeveloped characters as Albie, which we won't talk about because we'll wait Mm -hmm. for the spoiler edition, which he could have been used effectively, but he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Matt, who is the chosen one of the chosen one, is incredibly Mm one-dimensional. Essie, 
Cassie, like she was this like Instagram influencer, but none of that had anything to do with the plot. She could have been a dentist and it wouldn't have made a difference. Like, I don't understand. I mean, I guess that's how she was coping with it was she was just trying to be like taking advantage of her popularity and trying to get money. Okay. But then do something else with that. Like, Mm-hmm. And because she didn't like make the adult part of her book, these people's and how they're dealing with and how they're dealing with the um, aftermath and their relationships with each other and other people. And then that was that's how I, I felt like that was the problem with the whole it's 10 years later when we are right A readers and we're used to reading about the battle as teenagers. And now she's mm-hmm. trying to do something 10 years later, which is cool, but uh, yeah. yeah. It just, it wasn't done. It wasn't done well, unfortunately. Like it's, and it's kind of a shame because it's like, okay, come on. Like this is a different way to approach the story because you're starting in a different part in a character's life, but it's just, you're, you're right. I mean, all of these other characters, they're secondary characters in this book. Like, it didn't matter. Like them being as different as they were did not change the fact, you know, in the, in their growth and in their development, I still felt like they, they were the same characters that we left with when we started the book. Mm-hmm. Did not feel like there was any growth except for in maybe one character, but the rest of them, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you're right. It doesn't let like they, they tried to make Esther's story like, you know, her being this girl who's, they're, they're all struggling with PTSD, like, and um, how they're trying to cope in their society and how some of them are coping and how some of them are not coping. And the reality is, is that they're all not coping well, but it's showing those different stages and how different people deal with it. But, you know, it's, you could, it, what I'm trying to say is, is that there was nothing new. There wasn't a different approach to the story. And the characters and their different struggles, like, I don't feel like they were resolved at all. So, therefore, no, there, they there's weren't. no growth in that character, right? Because they're still the same character that you leave with. Yeah. So. And I and I believe this is a book one, but you it still is. have to have some growth at the end of your book for mm-hmm. most or all of your characters have to experience some sign of. And I actually think they regressed. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't no, think they, they didn't go up. <laughs> yeah and they didn't stay the same some of them went the wrong way like I feel like Matt went the wrong way I'm mm-hmm. like okay well and, well, and <laughs> one of them isn't even like in the story anymore like yeah. they're just Inez or, yeah yeah it's it's Inez and it's like why okay honestly that that was that was a choice of of Ross to keep her out of this story why I have no idea but that's not even explained at all or there's there's not Mm -hmm. even a hint as to why she wasn't taken with like and Mm -hmm. they were all there so yeah do you have any I have another like not like but I think it might be a spoiler so I'm just gonna just go hold it um (laughs) yeah I have a couple more but I think it's more of a spoiler and I'll just say like quickly like I didn't like the magic and I didn't like I I didn't like the prophecy, but we'll go into that in the spoiler. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. What did you like? Um, 
So, I mean, and then one of my likes is it's twofold, right? Because I didn't like it, but I did like it. I like the fact that the book started with what happened after, you know, the defeat of the dark one, because I think that that's, that's a writing choice. The fact that she's trying to start something in a different part in a character's life. Um, But yet again, it's not a good thing at the same time. Like I didn't like it, but I liked it because it had some potential and it didn't have potential. And that's what I think is Veronica Roth's jam. I felt the Mm -hmm. same way about Carve the Mark. She had an Mm -hmm. interesting idea. She tried to do something different. I really appreciate it, but the execution was not good. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's what I'll say about that. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. What was some of your likes? Once again, I like the attempt of her having these characters and they're all dealing with their issues differently she just didn't develop it enough so i like the attempt a lot of my likes are starting with i like the attempt but (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's that's it (laughs) but no (laughs) yeah um i did like the fact that like all of these characters like after their big event you you know right like the big defeat of the dark one like they're not okay no one is fine it's all a facade that they're putting on the general public because the general public has moved on right they're Mm -hmm. all struggling with ptsd and like they're all struggling with like how they're trying to have normal lives when they're not normal people and they've seen non-normal things like i do like that because it's not like it's not a happy-go-lucky start to the story um even as like how she plays out some of their struggles with ptsd like it was a good attempt and I do appreciate her trying to write about that and not write about these, you know, happily ever after stories. Like as much as I like them, like it is something that she's trying to do it differently. And, you know, it, it worked in some cases and in some cases it didn't. I did not like listen to the acknowledgements or like the last page or whatever for her reason why she wrote the book. But I think people have the same complaint about her and Carve the Mark. And I could be wrong. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. But they were having a problem with her writing about a character who's in chronic pain in Carve the Mark and how she didn't get it right. And now she's writing about characters who experience PTSD and how she is probably not getting that right either. And I don't know if she has chronic pain. And so that's why she decided to make her main character in Carve the Mark have that. I don't know if she's experienced PTSD and that's why. But a lot of authors write what they know. So like Mm -hmm. Lee Bardugo's Kaz character has a cane because Lee Bardugo walks with a cane. She has the same Mm -hmm. condition as Kaz. And, you know, so I don't know if she's not writing what she knows and she's just doing research and trying to go off that. And that's why it's just not working or what, but yeah. Yeah. And it becomes a problem. So it becomes a good idea, but if, if you don't know enough about that situation, because you don't suffer through it, but you expect me to get something out of it, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Um, one other thing like? I liked about, um, I, and this is why I gave it a three and not lower, because I can tell that she really tried hard to write this book. She took time. She tried to get this world and develop her world and these characters. 
I can tell. However, um, well, not however, but so one of the things that she she did, which a lot of books don't do, which is why I give them lower ratings, is that she actually had some pretty good themes in this book, power and magic and how people, I'm not going to really go into it because that's a spoiler about the whole magic and the power thing, but she made an attempt to include some really serious themes in her world. And I appreciate that. And so I, and she made an attempt here. So yeah, that's what I liked about it. Yeah, that part. <laughs> um, let's see, do I have another, another book? Um, no, I think that that, like I think a lot of it will go into a spoiler, so. Yeah. I mean, but like you said, Chase spent time on the book like that. I do appreciate like it, it's not just some half-assed written book, right? You can tell that like she did spend time in uh, cultivating the story and like putting all these themes in it. And like she had some really good ideas. It just wasn't done well. Like it was done well in some, I don't want to even say in some place, cases, but she had a good start. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and it just wasn't executed all the way through and maybe like like you said maybe she is struggling with that and maybe this was just the way that she was able to write her own experiences with PTSD but I mean as someone who has like like I have like some PTSD that I struggle with and I don't feel like it was done um as well as it could have been mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. So, um, I want to go back to, I missed something important that I, in the dislikes that's going to come back up in the spoiler edition is one thing that I really did not like about this book. And once again, it is writing style. And once again, I think that she's trying too hard to be a writer that she's not. Um, mm-hmm. Her book at many times was just too descriptive. Like, yes. I don't need to know about the garbage can you're passing as you are on your run on Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like, Unless that freaking garbage can has a bomb in it and it has something to do with what's going on. I don't need to read about it. Like it was a lot of over description, unnecessary stuff. And I hated all of that. (laughs) And there's a reason for why I mention it. Yeah. So it'll come up in the spoiler, spoiler edition as to why the over description was a bad thing in this book. That's all I'll say. Well, and it's like, I did enjoy the fact that it was based out of Chicago. Like, I did enjoy that because, I mean, we live here. Like, a lot of these places that she was talking about, I could l- I could literally see it because I've been there. Um, mm-hmm. So that I did appreciate because that's not done frequently. But, you know, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to, not to spoil anything. So do you have anything else that you liked? No, that's all. Uh, yeah, I think that that's all for me. Without spoiling, because this book is really hard to talk about spoiler-free um, without giving things away. Yeah. So, yeah. So before we go into the spoiler edition, I just want to say that if you are looking for a book where there is an actual good prophecy, where there are five different characters that all contribute fantastically, and there are chosen ones... And there's sycophants and a leader who is just killing everybody because they feel like it. I would suggest There Will Come a Darkness by Katie Rose Poole. That book is far better than this one. 
That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. Next week, Ashley and I will be um, reviewing Betrothed. Is it The Betrothed or just Betrothed? The Betrothed. The Betrothed. Kiara <laughs> Cass, who cannot seem to write a book outside of this world. I don't know why, but I'm assuming it's in the same world as a selection, right? The cover is mm-hmm. pretty similar. Yeah. Either yeah. that or she just prefers girls in pretty dresses. Either, Actually, yeah. I think, I think it's a different realm, but I think that, that yeah, this is not the same world. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah then no, she exactly. prefers girls in pretty dresses. That's okay. <laughs> it's true. It is true. All right. So thank you for joining us for the spoiler free edition of Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth. Um, next week, I said we'll be reading The Betrothed by Kara Cass. And thank you for listening. If you are sticking around, we are starting the spoiler edition of The Chosen Ones. I'm sorry, Chosen Ones in five, four, three, two, one. All righty yeah. then. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Um, let's see. I guess I can start. Um, I... I did not like Sloane as a character the first <laughs> the first no. uh, pages of the book. I, I she's just she is not a likable person. She's Mm-mm. she comes off very spoiled, very bitchy, very you know um, just like I've done what I needed to do. Do not talk to me. Um, I kind of lead the secret life. Like I just I felt like she was not very good at telling people how she felt. Um, and really coming true with like all these things that she's going through. Um, I, I had an issue with her and Matt's relationship, but at the same time that does reflect what a lot of like these younger romances could turn out into, meaning they had a common goal, they fell in love with each other. And now that that common goal has been reached, like the true, you know, their, their true sides come out and it's not something that the other one enjoys. Um, and Matt really puts Sloan up on this other level. And I don't feel like he um, helps her at all with her PTSD. And obviously he's going through it as well, but his way of coping with it is just, go, well, go see a therapist, go, go, go talk to somebody and they'll give you your, your pills. I mean, there's, there's numerous times in the book that he's seen given, giving her her pills to like calm down and to be able to sleep. And I don't feel like he's actually listening to her, right? Because like this whole issue with PTSD and people struggling with this trauma, like it's not something that goes away it's just their their coping mechanisms and how they choose to cope with it because it is going to be a part of their life because it is something that happened dramatically like sloan as a character like when i started to really see into what was actually happening to her and how she was affected so much by what was going on um i really felt like i was able to get a glimpse into her as a, as a, as a character, but I didn't get that with all of the other ones. And I wish I would have because Sloan to me was the only one that actually had growth. And she actually was able to, uh, kind of power through like her having those constant nightmares of not knowing if she was in the present or in the past. And 
Yeah. The the fact that she has that one part where it's brought up numerous times in the, in the book because that was her way of coming back to reality where um, if she has her boots on, she's in the present. And if her boots are missing, she's in the past because that was something that the dark one took from her. And it's like that whole like symbolism metaphor right there of not knowing where her feet are and where she is presently, like is huge. And so like I did, I did like that because that to me came full circle. Whereas a lot of other parts of this book, Roth did not um, expand on or explain or bring it to fruition because the, the boots are talked about all the time. And I was like, man, if we do not talk about these boots, I'm going to be pissed because she keeps bringing <laughs> it up. Is it important I don't understand. And then when she does bring it up in it, you finally get some sort of like um, verification that like, oh, this is why I get it. I was happy with that. So I, I will yeah. stop there because I have other things to say, but I want to hear your <laughs> take on that. Yeah, I, I did not like Sloan. Um, she was kind of a Mary Sue. I Being that Everybody, well, men liked her because she was hot, but she wasn't particularly, she didn't have much of a personality besides being a biatch. I, mm-hmm. I don't, and I know that Veronica Roth intentionally wrote her like that. Um, to me, she did not become likable at all. I feel like if you start with an unlikable character, the, the plan is for her or he to grow in the eyes of the reader, but I, I didn't like her at all throughout the novel. And what you were talking about with the whole boots and being, you know, having her feet planted firmly on the ground. That's what I'm talking about when I say that Veronica Roth actually thought about her book and she thought about the Mm -hmm. themes and she thought about some stuff where she lacked in other things. So where it was, that part was pretty strong. The whole relationship with her and Matt was not like they did not, they had conversations about him trying to medicate her and how they're different people and how he isn't coping well either, even though he thinks he is. It was only like, two conversations, which I felt like Mm -hmm. that could have been developed more, particularly in Matt's situation. Like he could have been, especially since he's the chosen one of the chosen one, how did that really affect him as a person? Instead, we get all this other fluffy shit that we really don't need when it really could have been focusing on him and her, which would made this more of an adult fiction book and less Mm -hmm. of a YA where it just kind of gets swept under the rug. She like tells him off one time and then like scowl at each other and then that's it. And mm-hmm. then she bangs some other guy, mm-hmm. which um, just quickly going into the banging some other guy. Like, I understand <laughs> why she it was insta love. I understand why it's because she is unless unless this is what how I took it. Matt is this super positive person, if he, whether he really is or not. And he just like revels in it and all this stuff. And she's not that person. Whereas Mox, she found mm-hmm. a kindred spirit. And Mm -hmm. so I understand the attraction to him. I don't think she should have banged him in the first book because then that just kind of devalues that whole relationship. But I get it. Mm -hmm. And once again, Veronica Roth tried to do something. There is a contrast between Matt and Fox or Mox, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't really do much (laughs) with it. (laughs) She doesn't do enough with it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yep. I agree with all that. Well, yeah, and that's that was my other issue is that like the the whole relationship between her and Matt, like you have been together for ten years. You would think 
you would be able to tell this guy, hey, I don't want to marry you and not just say yes because he's in front of a crowd with all these people. She doesn't like the paparazzi. She doesn't like the attention. In that moment when she said yes, I was like, I don't like you. Like, why can you not stand up for yourself? You were so strong-willed everywhere else, but you cannot tell him how you feel because you don't want to hurt his feelings. And it's like, well, that's then you're not being true to yourself. So I lost respect for her as a character. And then she tells him, you know, when they jump into this parallel universe of their parallel world that they're living in, which is a huge thing, you know, I can't marry you. Sorry. And then they have to all sleep in the same like little condo thing and they're just okay with it. That made me upset a lot. Yeah. You know, but and, and then I feel like we lose Matt. Like we don't really get him anymore as a character. Like he's definitely a background character at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and like, like what you said with Max, like I, I get why she banged him. I do. Like he was a kinder spirit. He was the first person to understand her since Albie, you know, um, and, but I like Mox so because Mox is kind of, you know, he's got one foot on each side, like good and bad. He's not really ch- chosen where he wants to be yet, which is kind of funny, no pun intended, even though he has a chosen <laughs> one. But it's like, <laughs> but he, you know, he killed all these people because he was trying to save himself. And now he's trying to help save the world, but he's still killing people. Like, I just, like mm-hmm. he doesn't really have a clear cut side that he's on. Which, you know, is either here or here, here nor there. But how did you feel about um, Albie, Albie's character? Because I think I want to go on to him next if, you, if you're okay with that. Um, I feel like he fell into the same problem that a lot of characters fell into. Nero, Matt, Essie, they're all underdeveloped. And because he was underdeveloped when he died, I almost didn't catch it. I literally was like, oh, we're at a funeral. Who are we at a funeral for? Oh, Albie. Like, I literally forgot that he died because it was so uneventful. And he, because he wasn't mm -hmm. written in the book enough. She was so busy describing garbage cans. She didn't describe Albie. And because he was dealing Mm -hmm. with PTSD, which a lot of people do by self-medicating, I would have rather have heard about him and his situation and less about this other stuff she was talking about that I didn't care about. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And here's my thing, because I was reading it um, and I felt for Sloan because I have known people who have lost loved ones due to, you know, over medicating themselves and overdosing um, because that's how they're dealing with their problems. Um, but him being Sloan's like crutch and like her way to stay centered because he was the only one that was actually there with her when she was getting tortured by the dark one. Right. So like she shared this like kindred spirit with him because they were both getting tortured. Um, but yet she chose to let Albie be tortured instead of herself. Right. So that's like uh-huh. a huge, big thing right there. Um, and he never blamed her for it. Um, but yet again, like his, 
the whole point of like him overdosing, like, I guess for me that like, that is like that, that's such a raw moment because how many times does it happen in our world? And we think we know people and we know how they are like trying to cope with things. And then when something like this tragically happens, it really does bring to light, like, are you coping with your problems the way that you should be coping with them? Were they wrong? Were they right? Like there's these big questions that get raised, right? Um, So I think like, that whole scenario right there, like that was Roth's trying, she was trying to bring to light issues that continuously are going on in our world and like how people are struggling with things in their past and how they're choosing to cope with them and whether or not we're like really um, listening to people, I guess is the best way about it. Because how many times did Sloan sit next to him and you, he was, you know, portraying this, like he's hurting and he's overdosed before. Wouldn't she be keeping an eye on him? Wouldn't she be trying to help him, you know? But I think when everyone's stuck in their own fog of their own problems and their own struggles, like, is there enough people there to help them? So I, I was heartfelt, hurt, you know, very heartbroken when Albie died. That hurt my heart a little bit. Um, and when when you say that, and that's a valid point, like she's so busy in her own head that she wasn't paying attention to her quote unquote best friend. And when he mm-hmm. does overdose, then does she bring that up that she wasn't a more attentive, better friend? Yeah, I think she does. But I think she it does. takes her almost the whole entire book to come to that point because she has to forgive herself for not helping herself and then to forgive all the other things that happened. So it does happen, but it's not as, I guess, um, in your face. It's more of like, it's one of those quick uh, climactic events, right? I mean, there's all these things happening. It's going quick, 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 quick. And it's like these points where she has that realization. It wasn't drawn out a little bit. So you catch it if you're, you know, if you're really paying attention, there's all these other things going on and she's having all these revel- revelations and it's like, slow down. Because <laughs> then there's not time to process it as a reader. Okay. Um, I must have missed it. and That's okay. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> and it could have just been that I was, like I said, I really was trying to pay attention because I knew I was going to be podcasting and I wanted to do like a good discussion mm-hmm. of this book. Um, and I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention and I missed that or if it wasn't, I mean, I don't want it to be too obvious. I do think once again, authors should leave the reader enough, you know, information to surmise things on their own. Um, either way, that's, you know, that's, that's good writing. If she can have, you know, if she can, if she's, mature enough to have the thought of, oh my God, my friend died. I was too busy being in my own head to not notice. And now, you know, I have, I've redeemed my, or not herself, but you know, she's dealing with it at the end. That's growth. And I must've missed that growth, but good on Veronica. She did that. I dismissed it. Yeah, well, but she did it, but she did it so quickly. Like it's not, it's not like um, it was, long drawn out like um you were pretty it was pretty obvious what was happening I think I caught on to it because 
I was upset that Albie died. So I think anything that had to do with him, I was like, oh, what happened? You know, like, did she actually have some sort of growth and revelation? Like, oh, because I chose for him to get um, abused and, and instead of myself, what does that make me as a person? Like there's a, uh, I forget what page it's on, but it definitely talks about that part where she realizes like, I should have chose myself but because I can't deal with my own problems in my head, I chose someone else. Okay. So, you know, but yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, I wasn't right. like in your face, pay attention to this, but <laughs> yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the fact that now we're in a parallel universe? How did you feel about that? I missed it. I, and I didn't care to go back and cause I'm like, wait, they're in water and they come up out of water. I to- I don't even remember how they got in the water. I, t- I missed it. And like I said, I didn't care enough to go back and mm-hmm. find out what I missed. Yeah, no. So it happens because like they're, they're summoned um, by the canal or whatever, the Chicago river. So like, they're all like standing over there, like, She's freaking out because she thought she was like hearing Albie or whatever, like Albie's voice. And so they all like go running after her and she's by the water again because that's like how she clears her head. And they all get like sucked into the water <laughs> and transported um, into this parallel universe where um, Nero and the other lady, I forget her name, are like standing there like, hey, um, seven do you two? They are chosen ones, which they don't obviously say right away, but they're like, We're you're needed here because there's some bad things happening. Yeah. So I because you know, we're, we're we start off in the book where it's ten years later, the dark one is dead. So I'm like, okay, clearly he's probably not dead because then mm-hmm. what's the battle? There has to be a battle. They have to fight somebody. And so I, I didn't hate that she made them that we are thinking that the the dead one the dead one the the dark one is dead even though once again and my own theory is nobody no daddy so he didn't have a body uh-huh. therefore he's not dead and so uh-huh. you know i appreciate that she was like okay well let's just put them in an alternate universe where this other universe is dealing with their own dark one so mm-hmm. you know i mean i i didn't hate it i didn't think that the world was particularly interesting and this is when I was talking about the magic system in the spoiler free edition mm-hmm. when the whole thing that they had to like sing into some bullshit. Like I didn't like that the at siphons. all. Siphons. Yeah. They're magical yeah. siphons and like the tones. And I just, it wasn't exciting. The whole idea of this magical place was just not magical. It to me, it literally, it, it literally is like a parallel universe. And if you have some sort of power, you wear a siphon or else people look at you funny. Like, why are you not wearing one? And those who wear multiple, of course, they have more power because it's like trying to harness their power. All I kept thinking about were like the siphons from um, Moss's um, Akotar. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, so it's like her little things. Just all the siphons that she has on Azrael and Cassian are like these stones basically they're like stone siphons so when they were like talking about these mechanical instruments i was like oh like like a false like like arm brace like that's what you mean okay <laughs> so that was interesting yeah. 
sort of in like the different um, tones. Mm. That's dumb. So <laughs> my dumb. my yeah my thing with this is that in her once again same thing with Carve the Mark. I feel like Veronica Roth is trying to reinvent the wheel when you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just upgrade it a little bit. You know, like, okay, mm -hmm. so people, there have been several stories about people who they have, they, they have powers based on certain body parts. And okay, like I've read that a million times and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a plot device, but it's how you, it's not how they use that magic that's important. It's the characters and the world around it and how the world deals with that magic that's important. So, I mean, I would have been fine that if the person who has the the ability to hear for long distance or whatever and they have an ear siphon, it, all they had if if all they did was like tap it two times, I would have been fine with that. I didn't need I didn't need for them to sing. You know what I mean? Like I've read book I've read books where um where they were um um if you so there were like dragons who were like people. It was called um the the dragons. What is it called? I can't remember the name. The, the author's Elise Colbert. I remember in a second. The Alchemist of Loom. So the, the, they had dragons, mm -hmm. and the dragons were people. And if you killed the dragon and you ate their organs, then you took on that power. It's very simple. Just eat their mm -hmm. liver you have the power <laughs> of that dragon. I don't need you to sing to your liver. I don't need you to dance with the liver. Just eat it. She keeps inventing the wheel. Don't invent the wheel. Just make it better. Just make the wheel better. I hated that they had to sing. And then we had this whole montage of them training on how to sing when it didn't even mean anything. Like it never came back. There was no point to it at all. I didn't. It was. I, I was just envisioning them just stopping like, hee, ha, hee, like the whole time. I know. Can you imagine yourself walking around doing that all day? Like, that's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> no, but it was. And then she tried to draw attention to it. And obviously, like, Sloan's not getting it. Why? Because Sloan's the real chosen one from the group. It's not mad, you know, like, in her power. Like, every time she tries, it's like, ginormously catastrophic and everything gets depleted i'm like are you guys dumb are you guys dumb and matt that was another thing that upset me is because matt was deemed the chosen one because he chose to took on the all the overarching face of their group even though all of them had their own powers he just decided i'll do it because i'm more people friendly ultimately that's what happened like he wasn't actually deemed more powerful he was just more people friendly he didn't actually destroy the, the dark one. Guess what? Sloan did. And Albie. Like, not them. <laughs> they were there helping. They had their own devices, which I did enjoy that part. The whole, like, having those um, um, myth mythological, like, devices that are, like, super duper old. And you have to go and find them. That was okay. That was kind of fun. You know, and her and the needle and, like, them having this weird like weird powers that that call to them like I get it but then there were other chosen ones in the other universes and it's like well, how many people are there how many parallel universes are there you know and just well know. me thinks that we're gonna see another one in the next book so no we won't be reading it because no we won't be reading it no <laughs> <laughs> all right uh -huh. let's talk about the biggie the big one the big twist oh gag me okay 
So here was my problem with that. And once again, I was saying that her book is too descriptive. So we were supposed to pay attention to this paper crane and mm-hmm. that was supposed to be the like clue that it was Nero. She writes so much unuseful bullshit. I'm supposed to pay attention to a stupid paper crane. No, I knew. I, I, I knew it no. was him. I knew it was him because of the. I didn't. I oh, knew okay. It. So you I was caught like, it. I caught it. I caught it. Which you'd be very proud of me because I was like, I am and very proud of you. Because when because when she opens the crane, there's like the pen scribbles that, and she even even describes it as like, oh, it's like someone was like trying to like write out a message and it just wasn't working. And I'm like, okay, Ali leaves paper cranes all over the place. Hello, hello. The only person that would know that he does that is Nero, the dark one. Hello, because he captured him. Like, <laughs> so I caught it, and I just I felt like it wasn't done well because I'm like, why would you do that? Why? I yeah and it was still okay. folded neatly because Albie before he was struggling with his PTSD because she even explains it that he had like all of his origami was like super finely creased like there was no um like it, it wasn't not sturdy and then when he was starting to struggle with the PTSD more it was really hard for him to focus on those fine details of making it as Priest. Well, see, you answered your own question. You paid attention because you liked Albie. And so anytime uh-huh. Albie was mentioned, you tuned in. Uh-huh. So for, for me, when I read books, and I can tell immediately, especially if I've read the author before, I know authors who everything they write is important and therefore I pay attention. So V.E. Schwab, mm-hmm. everything she writes is important. Steve Otter, Bardugo, mm-hmm. um, Lady Taylor. Well, not Lady Taylor. She can be descriptive too. But I know the author... <laughs> I can figure out pretty quickly, oh, I need to make sure I pay attention, opposed to authors where they just write nonsense for trying to be a good writer or trying to look like they're a good writer. And for me, Veronica Roth was the latter. So I would like skip over like little nonsensical details because I'm like, oh, she's just adding stuff for atmosphere. It doesn't really mean anything. And so little stuff like that, I wasn't paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And that's her fault, not mine. <laughs> No, no, no. You're right. And I, like I told you, like, I, I paid attention because I was so upset that Albie died. I could care less about the other ones. I really liked (laughs) Albie. Um, yeah, no. So that was huge. And I was, and the fact that they, they draw attention to the fact that like his office is always locked. He's always studying these uh, other things and he's following Sloan around and he's like trying to get buddy buddy with her and like oh dear lord it's him like it's it, it was just very obvious that it was him um at least for me it <sighs> so wasn't it wasn't obvious for me I I don't know what I was thinking I think I was just kind of caught up in the old, the old, um, the old um, misunderstood bad guy. I was just like, oh, here we go with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it didn't catch on until the boots, when he left for the yeah. boots. I was like, oh, are you freaking kidding me with this? Because Nero was barely in the story. He wasn't developed at all. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, he's just another random character like Ines or mm-hmm. Essie. Or once again, that's Veronica Falk her fault not mine for writing these unimportant characters so to me all the characters are unimportant if they're not Mox or Mm -hmm. Sloan 
And so I didn't pay attention to him because all of her other characters are forgettable. Once again, not my fault. (laughs) It's her fault. No, No, it's true though, because like Mox, like, like I knew that Mox was not everything he was cracked out to be you know he was oh, not the sure. one like like you could tell I'm like okay obviously it's and, and I know why she brought up Nero and Max in such um close quarters with Sloan is because it's trying to throw you off the scent as to who is who right like is he truly nice to you or is he just following you because he has a hidden agenda you know and all of these other things is he really placing you here and all of that, but I really did enjoy like the fact that when you learn about what actually happens to Mox and like that he, uh, him being the only one left after that humongous destruction, like that he like raises his army because he has his unresolved hurts with them, you know, like he feels bad. And he's got this walking zombie falling apart army. That's that's interesting to me. That part I did like, because I really did like Ziva, Ziva, I used mm-hmm. name. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm on the fence with that. And it's simply because once again, it's the misunderstood bad guy trope that I don't think she mm-hmm. did it well. Because as soon as she walked into that bar or museum mm-hmm. or the first time she saw Mox, I immediately knew he was the bad guy from that parallel universe. And I don't mm-hmm. think that Veronica Roth was trying to hide that. I think it was deliberately obvious who that who that was so that we will pay attention to him. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. But, and that's why I paid attention to him because she wanted me to. Once again, mm-hmm. that's fine. But the whole misunderstood bad guy, I'm just like, oh, here we go with this again. And mm-hmm. he's different than Matt. And she finds mm-hmm. him cute. I'm just like, oh, okay. And people, like, like two times I heard people, and I have never seen Star Wars, so I'm just going to take people's word for it. I guess he's Kylo Ren. He's yeah, supposed to be or inspired by. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what any of that means because, once again, I've never seen Star Wars, so I don't know. But it's <sighs> Don't worry, okay. he's fighting against good and evil and blah, blah, blah. And um, like that in the end, he does come to the 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 rebel alliance side, you know. Like, he does okay. choose the right way. But that's what I mean, though, with Mox, though, he's got one foot on each side. He's not really all the way bad. He's still struggling with that whole um, part of... of what he wants to be true, but he's a product of his environment. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole thing was really rushed. Um, one thing I don't like about, well, I didn't like about Sloan was that, okay, so they are living in a world of like, like advanced technology, but don't nobody got no mm-hmm. damn phone. So be like, hey girl, no. where are you at? The and then she just kept ditching them and leaving them. And if I had a friend who did that, I'd be like, I can't be, I can't hang out with you no more. Like mm-hmm. you keep on leaving me. You keep on making me worry about you. I have enough things to worry about and you're not one of them. Like I hated all of that, mm-hmm. all of it. And that's just her as a person. Like she's a very, very flighty. It's selfish. You can't, yeah, you, you can't depend on her because she is literally, she's so stuck in her own brain that she cannot allow anyone else in to care about them which is terrible and 
it's terrible. And it made her a bad character because she didn't grow from it. She kept doing it over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. And then she expects them to believe her. Okay, Mm -hmm. you left me. How many times have you left me? And now you find this guy that we're supposed to be fighting and then you expect me to believe you? No. Mm -hmm. And then she gets mad when they don't. Yeah. Well, and that part made me really upset because when she goes and she retrieves the needle, okay, and she's already like joined Max's cause and is like, oh, Nero's the bad guy. I got to tell them, but guess what? They're stuck there and I can't get to them. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. So like she comes out of the water and she's like, guys, you have to believe me. He's not really dead. And, And they're like, are you joking? You've been gone for like five days and now you're just back and we're supposed to believe you. And I think it's just like Roth was just using the past experience of like Sloan being captured and them just taking everything for her words, you know, that are coming out of her mouth because she's been tortured or whatever. So they're just like, well, obviously she has something to say. I get it. But it also made me really upset because it's like she just keeps leaving. She's not a reliable friend. And she pretty much just does whatever she wants, doesn't care about other people's feelings. She starts to a little bit towards the end because she's like, oh, crap, like, I really messed this up. I need to, like, tell them I'm sorry for being a bitch, basically, and being one-sided and only caring about myself. But it's, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to, let's get to, okay, so this is what I kind of forgot, even though it's, like, the, the biggest thing in the book. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. So Nero is immortal. He can't die. And he's doing all of this because he wants to die. Is that correct? Yep. Because he saw his sister get slaughtered. And that has been his biggest worries or um, his biggest cause as to why he wants to die is because he has been through so many worlds and he was really hoping that he would be all powerful and almighty with the people that he loved. And he ended up killing all of them because he was too powerful. So he's summoning all these chosen ones to kill him, including Mox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone. So here's the fatal flaw. All he had to do was like make a phone call and be like, hey, guys, I want to die. I'm immortal. I need y'all to do some research <laughs> And kill me. Instead, he kills thousands and thousands and thousands of people because he mm-hmm. wants to die. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. I'm like, are yeah. you freaking kidding me with the end of this book? Mm-hmm. His whole motive is that he wants to die. So he's going to kill mm-hmm. thousands of people to make them, to, is it so that he wanted them to hate him so bad that they found a way to kill him? Yeah. Is that, uh, oh, yeah. see, mm-hmm. that just totally ruined her whole world for me. It did. It absolutely did because he's supposed to be this, you know, this evil villain that we come, he's he's misunderstood type of a thing. And it's like, well, he's misunderstood because he wants to die. Are you joking? That, no. No. And why, why is Sloan the only one able to do it? Huh? She's the child that one. Well, yeah, I guess it's because she's the only one that has actually come to terms with who she is as a person and so she's able to uh channel her feelings appropriately or whatever but it's just like oh my gosh that made me so mad i was so mad about that yeah so mad so, mad. so yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. it's just that... kind of over and the world is still left in chaos and they come back and our friend's like, oh my gosh, where have you been? I know. It's the poor thing. She's just left, you know, <laughs> in downtown Chicago. So. Yeah. And this book had an ending. Like there was no cliffhanger or. Nope, it ended. If I'm correct. They didn't, they don't they just drive off in the sunset? Yeah, so they end up, like, going to, like, each person goes their own way to see if their family is okay. And it's like, okay, well, obviously the book can end right here. Is she going to write another one? I don't know. There's some people that are re- that are rating this book real- relatively high. And then there's some that's, like, where you and I are between a two and a three. Uh-huh. So we shall see because some people are excited, but... This is not, this is a book one, dude. This is not a standalone. I know, I know, but it's she wrote it though as though it could be the final, oh, which is kind of nice because you get. So I bet you the second one's going to either be through Matt's point of view or it's going to be through Essie's point of view or something. Well, it's probably you know. going to go back to their world because what happened to Ines? Like she just didn't get through yeah. the portal. Well, Ines went so. with Esther. To go check on her mom. Oh, oh, she did come back. Oh my god. Yeah, dude, I. Yep, I mean, it's the end of the book. You think I would remember? I remember more <laughs> what happened at the beginning of the book than the end. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. This this cover is crap, by the way. Too comedic. <laughs> I saw somebody rate the book on Goodreads and like, I hate this cover, and that was all they said. And <laughs> gave uh-huh. it a three. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> It's so uh-huh. true. <laughs> oh God. It is terrible. I just I don't understand. Like it it yeah. <laughs> it's very I'm trying to look at it. It's very YA. It is, but it also like, reminds it's... me of those old romance novel like covers. It's like, come inside. I'm not gonna show you any tatas, but <laughs> That's the name. Of, that's the name of your. Do you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine? Oh no! Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, they do this thing instead of instead of doing. That's what she said. They do. That's the name of your porno, and yours is come inside. I'm not going to show you my tata. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I guess if I had to change my name here, goodness. I'm looking at the cover and I don't understand what I'm seeing. Like, what is that rope thing? I get that those are probably like universes, but what's the rope thing? I think that's like envisioning um, like the needle, you know how like it was, yeah, it's like a tethered, like a needle has string and hers is the needle. So that's just how I see it. Yeah, it's a very ambiguous YA book. A lot of YA books do like font so because they don't want to turn boys away. They don't want to put a girl on the cover. So then they do like this so that it looks like you don't know who the main character is. Could be boy, could be a girl, could be fantasy, could be romance. So that's what it kind of looks mm-hmm. like. Um, but I think they're thinking, you know, it's Veronica Roth. People are going to read it. Who cares about the cover? I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. No, it's terrible. I don't. Maybe she had a low budget or something. She didn't have no low budget. Are you kidding me? (laughs) She had a huge girlfriend. You okay? So you read the book? You read the book? Oh no! I listened to it on Audible, and it was a production. 
it was an off it was not um a main uh, an actress who who was the reader of the freaking audiobook what's her name oh, oh really that's what she's the main thing is that they they didn't waste any money on this um no let me see I can't remember her name she's the actress who is in um that one book by um oh god i can't remember anything right now um <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking it up who is the she's a teen she's a little white girl with blonde hair she was a teen she was a kid actress ella fanning um, yes thank you Elle fanning is it is it Elle fanning yeah she's the narrator oh. Oh, okay. But they got a whole, because you know, like in like low, not I won't say low budget, but you know, like the audiobooks we're used to where like one person has to, has to be the male voice and the other character, yes. they have to do like 20 different ways. Oh no, they got a whole, they got a different person who does the little excerpts and they got, oh. they got, um, this is the first time I listened to an audible book and there's like sound effects and there's like, it sounds like a closing of a jail and stuff. And then there's different people who are voicing different characters and, oh, it was a whole production girl. I was like, okay. <laughs> I am looking this up right now. Holy shnikes. This is hilarious. Yeah. It was a whole wow. production. I'm not used to that. I'm used to library book, audiobooks. There's just like one person voicing all the characters. And, um, no, it's Dakota Fanning. Oh, Dakota it's Fanning. Uh, She's the older Shades one. Girl, yeah. What Fifty, Fifty Shades girl. girl? Yes, it is. That's Dakota Johnson. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> 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 oh, oh my goodness. god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's okay. It's okay. I just saw Dakota, and I was like, "Whoa!" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of names on here. Yeah. We're in the, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, way to go, Audible. <laughs> I know. I had no idea it was a whole thing. Yeah. I was like, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, Roth. I am not, I'm not happy with you. Roth is okay so I have this thing where if an author if I have read two authors books I don't like I call it I'm retiring their jersey even mm -hmm. though technically retiring a jersey is a good thing it's like sports if you watch sports they retire your jersey because you're like amazing and no one else can wear your jersey but for me it's a bad thing and it means that I will not read this person's book I have a very long list of authors who I've retired their jerseys and Veronica Roth has um, made that list I'm yeah, done I'm, I'm gonna have to agree because I mean we wasted our time with Heart the Mark and the Fates Divide and it's just I didn't read that second book you read that second book I did oh girl you like to torture yourself I speaking do. of Dakota Johnson you like you're a masochist <laughs> oh my I am not <laughs> No, I try. I really do try to like give authors benefit of the doubt, but I'm like, I'm just moving on, moving on. Can't yeah, no, I'm it. done. Can't I do thought it. maybe she would have grown a little bit. She's like, okay, I'm gonna write an adult book. I'm like, okay, well, maybe you know this will be something. No, it really wasn't. So, yeah. Well. Anything else you have to say about Chosen No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think I'm going to be reading the second one. I would have to be very bored and with nothing else on God's green earth to do if I were to read that book. 
I will not let you. I will recommend other books that you need to be reading. That sounds good. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of scared about the betrothed. I think it's going to be a hot mess factory. It's going to be a fluffy factory. <laughs> I don't even think it's going to be fluffy. I think it's just going to be a hot ass mess. And we're going to just bash it all over the place. And although I kind of enjoy doing that, I don't enjoy doing that. You know, I don't want to, I don't mm -hmm. want to waste my time reading a bad book. And I don't want to bash a book where authors spent months and months and months writing because that's rude. But I'm also not going to be like, oh my God, it was amazing when it wasn't either. Especially mm -hmm. if I wasted my time. And so, yeah. I know. We'll see. I'll probably we'll see. get through it in a day. I'm going to listen to oh. it and I'll probably breeze through it in like a day. It's only like eight hours and something, so I'm going to be breathing oh. through that one as well. Oh, yeah. We'll so that's fine. probably like three, 350 pages or so. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be fine. That's Don't worry. Yeah. So stay tuned, you guys. It is a beautiful cover. Yeah. She looks like Belle, but that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for this extra long version of the Novel Universe, and we will catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye.